Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Ready? See if you can identify these five clips in the order that they are played. It could be from a song, a movie, a TV show, or something else. But if it's coming from this podcast, then you know that it's from Generation X. If our guest gets it wrong on the show, then I'll explain how you can enter to win a fabulous prize package. Listen closely. Good luck. Speak English. Prepare to qualify. Catch! Ah! Get ready for a surprise! Hello, and welcome to Who Will Save Generation X? trivia game show that is dedicated to remembering, celebrating, and preserving all the wonderful qualities of Generation X through games, trivia, and friends. I am Xavier Host, and today we have two great contestants ready to compete for ultimate slacker prizes, and in the process, do their part to save Generation X from being forgotten. Are you ready to do your part? Please play along with the contestants while you listen and see what rad prize you would have wanted if you were here with us, saving Generation X from fading into oblivion. We're so happy that you've chosen to join us, and I'm sure you're going to get a nice dose of nostalgia and maybe a few laughs along the way. So if everyone's ready, let's start the show! This episode, I am super excited to have these two Gen Xers on the show and share their memories of our generation. There's something here for everyone, I hope. But if you like reminiscing about the movies Caddyshack, Rocky, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, as well as the music of The Smiths, then this episode is one you might especially like. Especially like. We're going to save the pop culture nostalgia of Gen X from being forgotten today with the material we cover with these two good friends. Let's give a quick hello to each of them now. Let's first welcome Kevin. Kevin, thank you so much for being a part of the show. Kevin! Hey, man. Nice to be here. I'm really stoked. Um, my name is Kevin Estrada. Kevin. I'm from Burbank, California. I'm really fortunate to have grown up when I did. I wouldn't change it for anything. It was a special time. And even my kids wish they could have a time machine and go back to that time and experience <laughs> what I experienced. 
my friends and family say that I live in a time warp. So I'm hoping this game shows exactly what I'm looking for. I think so, man. You got the credentials to back it up, as we'll find out a little bit later in the show. Thanks for being here, Kevin. And Kevin's playing against his good friend, Stefan. Stefan, thanks so much for being here. Qu- say a quick hello to the audience, will you? Stefan. Jack Stefan. Hello, audience. My name is Stefan Cox. I am a voiceover actor, musician, and podcaster, and I- I'm super excited to be playing, but I-, I know that showing excitement is not very Gen X, so I'll just say whatever. Whatever. Right. How about that? Thanks for being here, Stefan. Appreciate it. But before we meet them properly, let's give a quick overview of the games we're playing today. If you're new to the show, this is how we play. The show is broken up into three rounds of trivia and games. Whoever has most points at the end of the round will win a chance at today's fabulous Slacker Prize. But before we start round one, I'd like to remind everyone that the power struggle is once again in effect for this episode. In the opening of the show, you heard five quick clips, and the game is you need to name those five clips in the order that they're played here on the show. It could be from a movie, a song, a TV show, or whatever. But surely, if you're hearing it on this podcast, then it is from Generation X. And don't call me Shirley. The game is that at any time during the episode, contestants can interrupt the game and declare that they want to solve the power struggle question. They only get one chance to answer it correctly, and if they are correct, then they instantly steal the power from their opponent. However, if the guest gets it wrong here on the show, then we're going to open it up to all of you listening to this episode to contact the show to see if you can get it correct. All correct entries to contact the show via our newsletter will be entered into a drawing to win a prize package from the podcast. So stick around to see if these guests can get the power struggle correct or not, and then I'll explain how you can send in your entry to try and win it. We'll play the clip a couple of times here in the episode, so listen close and see if you can win the power struggle. Let's jump into round one now and get the games rolling. Round one. Hey guys, you know, you take the good, you take the bad, you take them both, and there you have the first game of the day. It's a game we call the Facts of Life. The Facts of Life. The Facts of Life. In this game, we take a crowdsourced opinion about a topic, and players take turns to identify them on the list. An incorrect answer will get you a strike, and the player that gets three strikes loses the round. The winner of round one will be awarded the power. The power. Which allows the player who has it to make all choices in the game first and wins all ties. So you will also get one point for each correct answer in the round. We don't have to be violent or ugly or arrogant. Just be charming. And what a pleasant world that would be. The Smiths are one of the most influential British bands of all time. So to that end, we thought it would be worthwhile to take a look back at the songs that made you cry and the songs that saved your life. With the poetic lyrics of Mr. Stephen Patrick Morrissey, a musical savant on guitar in Johnny Marr, and the adequate bass playing of Andy Rourke and acceptable drumming of Mike Joyce. I wish the very, very worst for Joyce for the rest of his life. The band from Manchester, England formed the Smiths. With a distinctive sound and style, their classic songs formed the soundtrack for the lives of many members of Generation X. This Facts of Life list asks you, what are the greatest songs by the Smiths of all time? The judges have aggregated 15 different best of lists from well-known websites, as well as fan ranked lists from the Smiths message boards and fan run websites. Both the pros and the fans alike have been accounted for in this definitive list. The list rules are that these are all songs by the band The Smiths, and they were all studio releases. So there are no covers or live versions to consider here. We have one wrinkle here. If you get number 69 on the list, then you won't be given a strike. A miss that bad should be given some grace, I think. As always, some of your personal favorite songs or their position on the list may not make you happy. I know my personal list would look different from this one. I've waited a while to bust out this list, and I think I have the right guest to ask. So I have a feeling we might have some loud arguments about the list, and that's okay. So tell me, guys, what are the greatest songs by one of the greatest bands of Generation X, The Smiths? 
We had a hot dog eating contest backstage before the show to see who goes first. And Kevin remembered that meat is murder and decided not to eat any hot dogs and actually won the contest. Morrissey would be so proud. So, Kevin, please get us started. What is your first guess? I wish we had a little chili on those hot dogs. A little chili and cheese would have helped, <laughs> but I'll get through this. I'm going to go with, um, I, get, I think it's a fan favorite, How Soon Is Now. That is correct. How Soon Is Now is number three on the list. Well done. Off to a good start. Stefan, you're up. So the first thing that I have to say is that uh, the song How Soon Is Now actually changed my life. Like, it was a before and after moment where I'm like, oh, I didn't know that the guitar could sound like that. So I, I was uh, both happy and disappointed that Kevin got that answer right. Uh, I'm going to guess this charming man. Well, I'd say that's a very charming answer because it's number two on the list. Well done. No strikes. Kevin, back to you. Well, since we we're talking about hot dogs and chili, I'm going to go back to Meat is Murder. Meat is Murder is not in the top 10. However, it is number 69 on our list. 69, dude. So it's not going to cost you a strike. You avoided the strike with our obscure 69 rule. How awesome is that? Love it. So, Stefan, back to you. No strikes. I'm going to say, uh, please, please, please let me get what I want. Well, if what you want is a answer in the top 10, then I'll give it to you. Because that is number five on the list. Well done. Okay. Kevin, back to you. Still no strikes, even though you only have uh, one answer on the board. How about... Um... What Stephen Patrick Morrissey stood for, the boy with a thorn in his side. Number eight on the list. Well done. I think my uh, instinct served me well to pick this list for you guys. A lot of the low-hanging fruit is off the board. Number one is still in play. Stefan, can you get number one off the board? Is it girlfriend in a coma? I'm sorry, that is incorrect. I'm going to have to give you a strike on that one. I know, it's serious. That was number 11 on the list. These cards are 11. That's okay. That's only one strike for you. Kevin, back to you. Number one is still available. How about, I'm thinking there is a light that never gives out. Close enough. There's a light that never goes out. That is number one on the survey. Well done. You found it. I don't know if I gave you your ding. I'll give you an extra ding. Ding me. (laughs) Stefan, back to you. One strike. This is still a free swing for you. How about, mm, I'm, I, you know, honestly, I this is killing me because I have every single that the Smiths ever put out and I'm cataloging them through my mind madly right now, trying to, to, to come up with the right answer here. Uh, I don't think that this was it, but I'm going to say you handsome devil, handsome devil. Are you saying that to me or is that your answer? For oh, that? yes. No, oh. you're an incredibly handsome devil, uh, Zabe, but no, that is my answer. Well, unfortunately for both of us, both of those items are wrong. Handsome Devil is... That's weird. I don't see it on the list. Must be number 70, because the list only goes to number 69. Okay. (laughs) So that is two strikes for you, Stefan. Let's go back to Kevin. Not much pressure on this one for you. You have the tiebreaker. You have no strikes. Free swing right here, buddy. Let's go with something I don't want to do on this show. How about Panic? Well done! Looking at this top 10 list, I'm thinking... I don't think I would have gotten panic. That's that's impressive. Most impressive. Still no strikes. Stefan, here is the situation, my friend. Yep. There are four answers available. You know all these songs. You've listened to these songs a million times a piece. I'm sure you need to just get one of the four to stay alive. What do you got? William, it was really nothing. I'm sorry. That's number 17. On- no. So that's your third strike. I'm sorry, my friend. Do I have to hand in my Smith's uh, fan card at this point? I probably do, don't I? I don't know. Judges, what do you think? 
No, you can stay on. It's fine. Can I so, guess a couple more to see what was on there? I'm just kidding. Oh, you want to rub it in? Okay. No, Let's just, rub it in and dunk all over Stefan. What else you got just for funsies? My next one would have been Big Mouth Strikes Again. Number four. And then I would have had The Queen is Dead. Queen is Dead is number 12. So just outside the top 10. Let me go over the top 10 list. Uh, one you got was There's a Light That Never Goes Out. Two was This Charming Man. Three was How Soon Is Now. Number four was Big Mouse Strikes Again, as you said. Five, please, please, please let me get what I want. Number six, you guys did not get a personal favorite of mine. Symmetry Gates mm. was number six. Mm. Seven, what difference does it make? Mm. Eight was The Boy with the Thorn in His Side. Nine was Panic. And 10, you guys did not get, which was Heaven Knows I'm Miserable Now. Oh, obvious mm. one. Dang. Hey, yeah. hey, Zabe, can I just add something? Sure. This segment has officially gone on longer than an actual Morrissey show. I feel great anger. I feel massive <laughs> sadness. Especially the last night's Morrissey Especially, show. Especially, yeah. yeah. The Greek theater, apparently he played like eight songs, smoked a cigarette and left. Oh, that kills me because I love Morrissey. I love the Smiths. I love his solo stuff so much, but Morrissey himself just, I don't know, man. He makes it difficult to be a fan at times. And to me, if he doesn't feel like going out for a show, like who am I to say otherwise, right? Like- I was just surprised that he canceled it, right? Did half hour and then canceled. Like yeah. usually he cancels before the show. But I'm sure he didn't plan it, right? Tried. I mean, he didn't plan he it. Tried. Okay, I'm going to get on and sing eight songs and he then tried. bounce, right? He'll yeah. make good. He'll make good. I mean, I, I, I feel for him. Love Morrissey or hate Morrissey. I mean, he's his own guy and he's going to do what he's going to do. You're either going to accept it and roll with it or you're going to be bitter and, and not, I think. And so one leads to happiness, one doesn't. So I choose the path that leads me to some happiness and enjoying at least what I get because he won't be around with us forever. And there will come a day where we'll look back and be sad that Morrissey's not in our lives, I think. One more thing I will say about Morrissey, and I tell my kids this, and I took my kids to see Morrissey because I feel that I have older friends and they say that the spokesperson or that poet of their generation was Bob Dylan. You know, that was that generation right. before me. And I feel that that poet of our generation is Morrissey. That's how I honestly, I, I grew up a metalhead and I grew up going to Judas Priest and Iron Maiden and Van Halen, but I think Morrissey is our poet of our generation. I'm afraid, uh, yes, I, I'm somewhat of a, a back bedroom casualty. I spent a great deal of time sitting in the bedroom writing furiously and, and feeling that I was terribly important and that everything that I wrote would go down in the, go down in the annals of history or whatever. And um, it's proved to be quite true. So congratulations, Kevin. You have won round one, and that means you have the power. The power is now that round one is over, let's take our next listen to The Power Struggle. Catch! Get ready for a surprise! That actual listen give you any more bells ringing? I got the same bells ringing. <laughs> same, same, okay. all the same bells. Okay. So after one round, we have Kevin with four points and Stefan with two. Anything can happen though in round two. But before we start round two, 
Let's take a moment to better meet our contestants. You are a superstar. You are the new Johnny Bravo. The judges are the gatekeeper of all things Gen X here on the show. And to that end, they are requesting to know from our contestants about their Gen X credentials. That is, apart from being born between 1965 and 1980, what qualifies you to claim yourself as part of Generation X? And what might potentially disqualify you from being Gen X? Welcome to the show, Kevin. Please tell us a little bit more about yourself and please include your Gen X qualifiers and potential disqualifiers. I think I could possibly be the poster child for Gen X. I had great parents growing up, but I learned most of my life lessons from Archie Bunker, Arthur Fonzarelli, Steve Austin, and the great Maxwell Smart. I held on to just about everything that I owned as a kid, my records, my toys. In fact, in this room right here, I got a couple of things. I have my Get Smart shoe phone, signed to me by Don <laughs> Adams, of course. Wow, right that's awesome. I have my, uh, my boom box from my teen years still. That looks like a movie prop. No, it's a real one. Yeah. Van Halen and, sticker on the side. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I, I held on to everything. Like, that's why people say I live in a time warp. You know, it's, it was a better time. When I was a kid, I wanted to be a cross between Evil Knievel, Rocky Balboa, and Don Rickles when I grew up. I ended up becoming a rock photographer, and I documented the L.A. metal scene in the 80s. And then I went on and became a grunge kid before the word grunge even existed. And I documented the Seattle music scene. And uh, I, I also photographed every Lollapalooza tour in the 90s. And right. uh, you, can see, you can even see me rocking out in Nirvana's Smells Like Teen Spirit video right there. You're me and my in that? You're actually in that? Yeah, I'm, I've got close-ups, and my buddies and I are front and center. Yeah, it was a, it was a fun day. I just wanted to close saying that I'm so Gen X that one day Kurt Cobain thought I was a vegetarian and tried to make a sprout sandwich for me. <laughs> wow. So how how close were you to Kurt Cobain? I met him when I was in college. I, I worked at the radio station at UCLA and I gave Nirvana their first interview in Los Angeles during the Bleach tour. We became friends, he and I. We 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 bonded over, and this is, this fits right into this show, we bonded over toys over G.I. Joe's toys, especially Evil Knievel toys, and uh, breakfast cereals. You know, we loved all the same breakfast cereals. We bonded over Mr. T cereal, Barbie <laughs> cereal, um, Frankenberry. So um, we were two years apart, he and I. So we just got along really well, started going to shows, photographing them, hanging out with them, and just shot them from the beginning to the end. Wow. And uh, yeah, he was, a, he was a, a normal guy, a great guy, and just got kind of overwhelmed by fame. Yeah. Yeah, he didn't want to be a spokesperson for the generation. He just right. wanted to make music. Well, those list of people that you mentioned, uh, Steve Austin and, and et cetera, et cetera, we were raised through television. Like our parents, I don't know, I feel like becoming a good parent is a somewhat modern convention. And our parents kind of just stuck us in front of a TV and said, hey, let Mike Brady teach you how to be a, a good man, you know? <laughs> well, hope you learned something from all this. If Archie Bunker and, and James Evans were teaching <laughs> society today, it would be be big trouble you know yeah i think so i'll admit that because i was a bit of a metalhead growing up it kept me from looking like i was at the casting call from a john hughes movie but i kind of rode the other side the long hair the dark side darker side of the of the 80s and 90s and because i was going to so many rock shows in the 80s and 90s i missed out on some of the essential gen x elements like break dancing wwf and rollerblading i was more of a roller mm -hmm. skating skateboard, dirt bike kind of guy. I also missed out on some good network TV shows um, that were on in the evenings, like Full House, Silver Spoons, Cheers, because I was kind of doing my club thing. 
I may have some holes here and there, but I'm pretty happy with the way I ended up. Well, it sounds like you've lived quite a life during that time. So I don't think you've a couple episodes of Cheers getting missed. Uh, is it small There's price reruns. to pay? Yeah, I yeah. caught up on the reruns. <laughs> Thanks for being here, Kevin. Appreciate it. Let's also meet my other guest, Stefan. You want to try and follow up? I'm best friends with uh, Kurt Cobain on your Gen X qualifiers. No, no, I don't <laughs> want to do that. In fact, the only thing that I'm going to say here, Zabe, is that my my one and only Gen X credential is, is I know Kevin. Right. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Drive safe. That's it. Uh, I, I got a couple more. Uh, I, I am actually in possession of a VHS rough cut of the seminal Gen X film Reality Bites from when it was being edited in 1993. Uh, it came from Ben Stiller himself. Wow. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, I have a scar, uh, like a little half moon scar on my abdomen from wiping out when my handlebars went into my gut when I took my bike, BMX bike over a homemade jump when I was 11. I was also a, a DJ for my high school radio station, and it was the only place within a 50-mile radius where you could hear anything good, like Cure, The Smiths, Depeche Mode, Susie and the Banshees. So we corrupted an entire generation of high schoolers uh, during that time. I think my, my main Gen X disqualifier is the fact that I have never seen The Princess Bride gas. Inconceivable! But I can probably quote the entire thing. Because everybody quotes it. And so, you know, welcome to marriage, inconceivable, all this stuff. Uh, I also was accepted to be a contestant on Rock and Roll Jeopardy, but I chickened out. I chickened what? out. So I hope to redeem myself here today. I, I, I'm i off to a terrible start. <laughs> Being the fact that the Smiths are one of my favorite bands and that I, I choked in the clutch, uh, maybe it was a, a good uh, a good decision on my part that I didn't want to actually going on Rock and Roll Jeopardy. <laughs> Thanks for being here, Stefan. Jack Stefanovich. Stefan. Hey, judges. Can these two Gen Xers continue on the show? Do they have the proper credentials? Okay, great. We're going to keep you on the show. Thanks, guys. Round two. Round two today is a game called Eight is Enough. In this game, I'll ask a total of eight questions, four to each of our contestants. Points are awarded for each correct answer, two points for a complete correct answer, and one pity point for a partial correct answer. Players take turns answering questions with a chance to steal if their opponent answers incorrectly. The steal is worth one point. But more importantly, a steal also takes the power away from their opponent. The judges require that all questions must be given an answer, no matter how incorrect that might be. So you're not allowed to say, I don't know on the show. So if you say, I don't know, just like in, you can't do that on television, you will get slimed and you will get a point taken away from you. So if you don't know the answer, make something up and make it entertaining. The winner of round two will take a secret trip to the prize vault and choose the prize that the two of you will be playing for in round three. However, the player who has the power at the end of the round will go first in round three, which is a huge advantage. So, Kevin, you get to pick between these two questions. Will it be, they think he's a righteous dude, which is a movie question? Or will it be, you scratched my anchor, which is also a movie question? I think he's a righteous dude. Ferris Bueller's Day Off is a timeless classic from legendary filmmaker John Hughes that reminds us that life isn't always about following rules. The movie is crammed full of iconic scenes, but one in particular features the main antagonist, Dean of Students, Ed Rooney, and Grace, the school secretary. As they discuss Ferris Bueller and his standing at the school, Grace argues that Ferris is quite popular with the student body and lists eight different cliches that, quote, think he's a righteous dude. Kevin, can you name three of these high school cliches that she mentions in that scene? You oh, know the man. scene I'm talking about? This is tough. Yeah, I know the scene. I'm just trying to. This is the hardest question in round two. I just want to let you know ahead of time. This is tough. Yeah. Cliches. You're saying like she describes things about him? It's not in here, but if they said like um, drama kids or. Oh, um, okay. I got athletes. what you're saying. Okay. No. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. She has more colorful names for them. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
<clears throat> let's see. I know that she says like uh, the dorks, the geeks, the somebody's like that. Everybody thinks he's cool, the coolest. Um, wow, some of the names that that, that I was called growing up. <laughs> um, you and I both. The dweebs, the dorks, the. Am I kind of on the right track? Is that you're totally on the right track? Yeah, well, something like that. Like the the dorks, the dweebs, the they all think he's a righteous dude, right? That's right. the scene. Okay. That's the scene. Shouldn't have started with this question. This one's tough. Yeah, this is a tough. One. Well, make everything else easier, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's all downhill from here. What did I say before? Dorks, dweebs. I had another one. You said geeks and dweebs. Geeks, dweebs, and dorks. Dorks, yeah. dweebs. Uh, I'm going to have to go with that family there, I guess. Do I have to pick from those? Well, you have to name three of them, and you did not name three. So, oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. So that means we'll turn it over to Stefan. Stefan, can you steal this question? I think so. And I think we're going to have to bleep out one of the answers because that's the one <laughs> that always sticks in my head. Uh, jocks, dweebs, and dickheads. Judges? So close. Both of you are really close, actually. The eight different items she says is... Oh, well, he's very popular, Ed. The sportos, the motorheads, geeks, sluts, bloods, wasteoids, dweebies, dickheads. They all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. Wow, we're close, Steph. If we, we were, were close, yes. If we would have combined forces, we still would have lost, but we'd be close. <laughs> Can I tell you a funny story about Edie McCorg? So, and 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 God rest her. So, I'm a voice actor, and uh, she was she did a lot of voiceover work, and just a, just a really lovely uh, person. And we were in a pilot together where I played her husband. There, I think that there must be like 30 years uh, between us. But uh, yeah, so the, the the woman who said uh, he's a righteous dude, yeah, played, played really? my wife. Wow. You were guys, you guys were in a pilot together? What was the show about? It was an animated series called Rock Stars. And I played the, all the kids were supposed to be in a band and they were all animated rocks. And I was a dad <laughs> and I was, well, now you kids now, now you have to get serious about your rock and roll music here. Just ask your mother. Well, now listen to your fuss. So it was, it was that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah Didn't make it to a, air. Sadly. I just think them. that show would have worked a little better if there were actual kids rather than rocks. <laughs> okay so that's no points for that question Stefan. this question is for you it's called you scratched my anchor it's also a movie question let's yep. see if you were in a pilot with any of these actors caddyshack is one of many national lampoon's classics but do you know that it's the only movie that chevy chase and bill murray has appeared in together in fact, the iconic scene that begins with Ty Webb's golf ball crashing into Carl Spackler's shack was written in the middle of the film when the director realized that his two biggest stars never interact in the movie. In another iconic, in another iconic scene, time to change. a chocolate-covered candy bar is thrown into the clubhouse pool, creating mass hysteria when it is confused with a human turd. Can you tell us what kind of candy bar this was? Oh, yes, very much. It was a baby Ruth. And in fact, uh, Bill Murray sweeps it into a tiny pile and takes a bite. And then uh, Ted Knight's wife uh, faints. That's that's how that scene went. That is correct. We would have also accepted an argument for baby rut. When we see the candy bar being opened, the packaging tears so that you cannot ever see the H in Ruth. This is likely done to avoid copyright violations and licensing fees. Not to worry. I'm sure Baby Ruth cashed in when the Goonies came out. Baby Ruth. That was much easier. Well, yeah, easier. I, I definitely got the easier. <laughs> However, you know, I got some ground to make up here, Kev. So, right. you know. Well, you've tied the game at four points apiece now, but Kevin still has the power, so he gets to pick between these two. Will it be, there are worse things I could do, which is a movie question, or will it be, I've retired more men than Social Security? 
which is also a movie question. Let's go with the second one. Okay. I've retired more men than Social Security. Movie question. Who can forget the terrible moment when Ivan Drago killed Apollo Creed in the ring? If he dies, he dies. And what should have been a time of rest and relaxation for Rocky turns into a time of mourning. But the despair and subsequent drive that Rocky feels over the loss of his rival-turned-friend turns into one of the most epic training montages the series has ever given us. For the climactic final fight, Rocky heads to Drago's home turf of Russia. While the screenplay calls for multiple Russian characters, none of the actors in Rocky IV were actually from Russia. In fact, the entire cast was American or Canadian, except for Brigitte Nielsen and Dolph Lundgren. Nielsen is from Denmark. Can you tell us where Dolph Lundgren is from? And this is a multiple choice. Is it A, Germany, B, Austria, C, Switzerland, D, Sweden, or is it E, Bangkok, Thailand? We go Sweden. Sweden is correct. Well done. But Bangkok, Bangkok was pretty interesting. I, I, I like that as a curveball. That was that was good, Tim. I was even thinking, did he was he born maybe? Yeah, Bangkok? maybe he was born there. Yeah. <laughs> I just picked it because I thought it was a country that is filled with a population that does not look like Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> Bangkok, Oriental City. So this question is for you, Stefan. It's called, There Are Worse Things I Could Do. It is also a movie question. John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John starred in Greece, one of the best movie adaptations of a musical from Generation X. It's famous for its soundtrack, choreography, and casting full-grown adults as high schoolers. Though this isn't necessarily uncommon in Hollywood, Several of the actors had to dye their hair or have softer focus during close-ups on their faces to ensure they could pass for high school seniors. Stalker Channing, who played Rizzo, was the oldest cast member playing a high school student. How old was she when the movie was filmed? This is a multiple choice. Is it A, 28, B, 33, C, 41, or is it D, 69? 69, dudes! Actually, I think she was 33. Is that right? It is right. Well done. Can I mention, Stockard Channing is part of one of the greatest, you know that game where you actually take people who have two first names and you string them all together? And So, for example, Stockard Channing, Tatum, O'Neill, Young, M.C., Wren, and Stimpy. There you go. How about that? <laughs> you just come up with that at the top of your head? No, no, no. I've, okay. I've, I've had that one in the pocket for a while. It's tattooed on his back. Yeah, exactly. It's easy reference. Just a yeah. mirror. It's, it's, it's done in reverse. Right. Good job, Steph. I knew she was got to be in her early 30s. Greece was set in the year 1959, and Stalker Channing was born in 1944. Some quick math tells me that this means that she was old enough to actually have been in high school during the year this movie was set in. Oh. At some oh. point, it's no longer acting and just remembering. How about that Greece too, huh? Scores tied at six points apiece. Kevin, you still have the power. You get to pick between these two questions. Will it be Vader? The results are in. And you are the father, which is a movie question. Or will it be Cinema Soundcheck, which is a head-to-head challenge? Um, let's try the head-to-head challenge. Let's, let's get a little different. Okay. For this question, I will give you up to eight titles of tracks for a musical score of a popular movie from Generation X. And you need to tell me the title of the movie that it's from. Movie scores are usually instrumentals with obscure titles, and that should give you the hints that you need to name the movie. We will go back and forth between each player, given a new movie on each turn. Two points will be awarded to the player that gets it correct on their turn. Now I'm wishing I chose the other one. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Kevin, here's your clues. IMDb lists this as a sci-fi horror film. 
It was rated R and was released in 1979. Okay. Song one is called The Droid. What movie is that from? Sci-fi R. Um, I'm going to go with Ridley Scott Alien. Damn it. That's correct. Well done. <laughs> Great movie. How the hell did you get that after one obscure title? Good drugs. <laughs> Great movie. Wow. So we have a thing on the show that uh, the judges work hard on these. And when the contestants get them off after so few guesses, they get really upset. So the judges are off stage right now. Really pissed off at you, Kevin. But I'm impressed that you got that after one. That That's very impressive. Stefan, did you get that after one? Yeah. Yeah. I, I knew. Did you was. really? Yeah. Yeah. And I love that film. I'm obsessed with that film. From the droid? You guys both got that? 1979 horror sci-fi yeah had to be couldn't have been anything else all right well judges you have no one to blame but yourself for making it so easy i would have if you didn't cheat next time i'll get you but good i will you can't keep a good mitchell plick down no sir the super freaks can't tell me what to do why i'll tell you what i'm gonna do i'm gonna come back to this so here's the songs uh just for those listening at home see where you would have gotten it song one was the droid song two was here, Kitty. Song three was The Stowaway. Four, Acid Test. Five, A Wonderful Defense Mechanism. Song six was Eggs or Something. Song seven was The Last Survivors. And if you didn't get it by then, song eight was The Face Hugger. Yeah, two, and two, three, and four were dead giveaways on that like yeah. song titles. Yeah, I'm dealing with experts here. Two more points for you, Kevin. Well done. Here's the fun fact. Costing around $11 million to make, Alien was a relatively low-budget movie for the time. To save costs, they borrowed lighting from the band The Who, which were using the soundstage next door. They had to repurpose many of the crew's personal items that they had just laying around to use as props for the film, such as Ash's head containing spaghetti, cheap caviar, and onion rings. And the slime used on the Alien was KY Jelly, and its jaws were made of shredded condoms. I have an interesting fact about Alien when in, I guess it was 1979, maybe a couple months before Alien came out. I'd never even heard of Alien. My best friend and I, his father took us to a Starlog convention. Remember Starlog magazine? It was like one of those sci-fi magazines. I think so. Yeah, 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 yeah. And there was a Starlog convention at the LA Convention Center. So his father took us there and there was a Planet of the Apes marathon. That's what I wanted to go. We watched Planet of the Apes movies all night. But there was like a raffle with your ticket when you got in to see this, a sneak peek at a movie. And all of our raffle tickets got chosen and we had no idea what it was. And it was Alien. So we got to see that movie like two months before the public got to see it. Wow. And we were just, I had never seen so many people shrieking and jumping out of their <laughs> seats. It was awesome. That's super cool. Yeah. I remember they used to do that though. They used to have these like movie marathons and they bring like usually kids in and they'd have raffles and prizes. And you'd, you'd sit there all day. I totally forgot about this until you mentioned it, Kevin. We were sleeping on the chairs watching Beneath the Planet of the Apes and Battle for the Planet of the Apes. It was awesome. We did that one of those for for Star Wars, I remember. And there was like a catalog and you could pick the different toys you wanted. And I think it was all just market research. And I was like a guinea pig for Kenner or whoever. They would play the movie. And that's the first time I saw a preview for Empire Strikes Back. Mm. And I was so young at the time, the concept of a uh, of a sequel was beyond me. I didn't even know what's a sequel. I don't even know what that... They made another movie. And I remember just being stunned and watching all Star Wars. Like, there's going to be another Star Wars movie? This is just beyond my head. My little head exploded. So... Speaking of fond nostalgia, how do you like that segue? Stefan, this is your question. It's called Vader, the results are in, and you are the father. 
expectations and stakes couldn't be higher when it came to The Empire Strikes Back. Star Wars was an unexpected hit and fans and producers like wanted a sequel. This gave George Lucas a unique opportunity to become independent of Hollywood, but only if Empire was a success. We know the rest, and Empire is often called the best of the Star Wars movies. This is in no small part due to the absolutely iconic reveal that, spoiler alert, Darth Vader is Luke Skywalker's father. This scene is extremely important to fans of Star Wars and cinema, but it is often misquoted. Which is the exact line delivered by James Earl Jones? This is the multiple choice. I'm bummed my voice is so jacked right now because I can't do my Darth Vader impression, but here we go. Is it A? No, Luke. I am your father. Is it B? Luke, I am your father. Is it C? No, I am your father. Or is it D? Who's your space daddy? What? The only part that I remember, and I, this is one of those things where it's like, did Greedo shoot first? This is one of no, those things. Where it's like the, the one thing that I absolutely, <laughs> so, you, you have strong feelings about this. Abe. Yeah. The, the one thing that I do remember is he says, search your feelings. You know, it's true. And Luke goes, no, no! I'm going to go with C. My gut says I'm going with C. Your instincts serve you well. That is correct. No, I am your father. Good job, Steph. Thank you, brother. James Earl Jones is famous for the voice of Darth Vader, but David Prowse did the physical acting in the suit. Prowse was infamous for leaking information, however, so Lucas gave him a fake line to ensure that the secret of Vader's identity wasn't spoiled before the movie came out. The line he gave him was, Obi-Wan is your father. Mark Hamill was given the correct line the night before the filming, so Luke's reaction would fit the real reveal after the sound editing was done. So here's the last two questions in the round. Kevin, you still have the power. The score is eight to eight. Comes down to these last two questions. Will it be a real American hero, which is a television question? Or will it be name that auto-tune head-to-head challenge? What did we learn from our last head-to-head challenge pick? I learned that I'm going with A. A real American hero. Good choice. This is a television question. G.I. Joe, a real American hero, was a TV series largely used as a vehicle to sell Hasbro toys of the same name. If a character was featured prominently in the story arc, you could be sure that a toy version of the character was hitting shelves at that time. But whatever studio and toy making executives were trying to do, it worked. We loved G.I. Joe. We loved the action and the clear cut battles between good and evil. We even loved the cheesy lessons at the end. Yo, Joe! To keep in line with children's programming standards, however, characters couldn't use firearms and both sides fought each other using lasers instead. Any lasers coming from Cobra fighters were one color and the Joes had a different color. What color was the Joes lasers? This is a multiple choice. Is it A, red, B, white, C, blue, or is it D, red, white, and blue? Man, this is tough because... I come from the Kung Fu grip, fuzzy hair, (laughs) 12-inch G.I. Joe era. Those are my Joes. Right. You know, it wasn't about Cobra and Grunt and all those guys. Right. This is tough. I didn't watch. I think I was, you know, I was at the Hollywood Palladium recovering from the Palladium when G.I. Joe animated G.I. Joe was on. So let's see. Yeah, a little bit bit after your time. Yeah, this is tough. Cartoon one. This is tough. And And I'm a Joe fan, but not this side of Joe. Right. Cobra was the bad guys. So Cobra, I would think bad is red. Just saying. 
white just seems too clean for I'm, this is all a guess blue maybe red white and blue just screams joe i mean just screams gi <laughs> joe right because he's an all-american hero that's true i'm gonna go on a whim here and hope that my kung fu grip senses are right i'm gonna say blue blue is incorrect i'm sorry <sighs> Stefan. here's a chance to steal the power and get a point very much like Kevin, I am of the generation that used to leave their GI Joes out in the sun uh, after having you know tortured them extensively with fireworks till they were bleached, right? <laughs> just a little bleached GI Joes, and 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 the tall guys. I'm not talking the you know the little shorty guys. Uh, I, I, let's go with red, white, and blue. Why not? Red, white, and blue is incorrect as well. That would look really <laughs> weird coming out of a gun having a red, white. Sure would. Yeah, that was the joke response too. Which was kind of funny to me. You totally blew it, dude. The correct answer is A, red. In some kind of reverse Star Wars rules, the bad guys had blue lasers and the good guys had red lasers. But now we know, and knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe! I love that I, red, white, and blue idea, though. I do, too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Very how much more all-American would that have been? Killing somebody with red, white, and blue lasers. It was actually more like <laughs> killing somebody with Aquafresh. Right. Boom. <laughs> well, if you remember, nobody actually died on that show. I think like two people ever actually died, if I'm not mistaken. But OK, the score is still eight to eight. As we go to the final question, this one's for you, Stefan. It's called Name That Autotune. It's a head to head challenge. For this question, the judges will perform part of a popular Gen X song. And you have to give me the title and artist of the song. So now is your time to redeem your rock and roll Jeopardy moments. I'm feeling it. The catch here is that the judges are terrible performers, and they will be also using an awful fake British accent to make things sound more confusing and silly than are necessary. There are a total of three songs that you'll take turns answering, with the regular rules applying for stealing the power as well as stealing points. So that means this question could potentially be worth up to five points to one of you. So anything can still happen. We'll give you a hint to try and help you by letting you know the year the song was released, as well as the genre that the song belongs to, according to Wikipedia. That last bit may or may not help you, depending on who wrote the entry. So, Stefan, this one's for you. It's song one. This song was released in 1991, and Wikipedia calls this song a grunge alternative rock song. Yep. Here's the judge's rendition. I'm so lonely. That's okay. I shaved my head. And I'm not sad. And just maybe, I'm to blame for all I've heard. But I'm not sure. I'm so excited. I can't wait to meet you there. And I don't care. I'm so horny. That's okay. My will is good. You need to hear it again, Stefan? No, I've got it. It's Nirvana. What's the I, name of the song, though? What is the name of the song? Um, the good news is you don't have someone waiting to steal this answer who's been made a sprout sandwich by the lead singer. I know. I know, and the, the, yeah, it, it ordinarily would be a high-pressure situation. Uh, I, I certainly know the lyrics. The problem is they don't actually use the lyrics in their choruses. And so I, it's not lithium, but unfortunately, because I have to answer, that's what I'm going to say. Let's listen to the song and see if you're right. I'm so excited. I can't wait to meet you. That's okay, my will is good. Yeah, yeah. It is lithium. Bang! Well what? done. Wow. Very Unbelievable. Wow, thank you very much. Okay. Well done. Great poll. I, I feel, I'm feeling better about myself already. You have now taken a two-point lead. Here's the fun fact. The title of the song does not appear in the actual lyrics for lithium, just as you said. However, 
The song was used as the goal song for the Seattle NHL team, the Seattle Krakens. The only reason I mention this is so that I can play this sound clip. Let loose the Kraken! Here's song two. This one's for you, Kevin. Song two is a song from 1984, and Wikipedia calls this song a rock song. Here's the judge's rendition. This desperation, dislocation, separation, condemnation, revelation and temptation, isolation, desolation. Let it go. The judges used a fake Irish accent for this one. Oh, man, I know this. My gut's telling me Judas Priest, but sometimes my gut is wrong. What awfully fake Irish accent version of that song is it? Would it help if I played the Rock and Roll Jeopardy? Uh, no, definitely no, wouldn't help. help. Okay, all right. Judges, don't do that. Well, I'm really going to kill myself on this one. Don't kill yourself. It's not worth it. Well, if you just answer the question. Yeah. Why don't you just answer the question? Be honest. No big deal. Yeah, answer yeah, it. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. I'm taking up so much time. No sorry. problem. Talk to us. It's after eight, so my friends and family can call for free. <laughs> You're in my top five, Kevin, is what I'm trying to say. Man. Answer the question. Don't be it. It's easy. It's only one question. I know it's wrong. I'm just going to say free wheel burning by Judas Priest. It's completely wrong. You're correct that you're wrong. Stefan, can you steal this? I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's you too, and that it's a lyric from Sunday Bloody Sunday. Let's listen to the song and see if you're right. Babs. I got the I, I got the artist. Yeah. Bad. Yep. Bad. Awesome. You know, that's yeah, crazy because yeah. that's probably like one of my all-time YouTube favorite songs. Bad. I can't believe that. So that off. Is, wow. Yeah, Judas that is Priest. my favorite YouTube song. Bad is my favorite one. So, Stefan, yes, that is U2, but that was not the right song. The song was Bad by U2, and that means you that's not a complete correct answer. So that's no point for a steal, and you did not steal the power. So, Kevin, you retained the power. The score is 10 to 8. So, Stefan, this last question is for you. You're up two points. Song three is a song from 1989. The genre, according to Wikipedia, is gothic rock and synth rock. Let's see if you can get an artist and title. There was nothing in the world that I ever wanted more than to feel you deep in my heart. There was nothing in the world that I ever wanted more than to never feel the breaking apart. That's all I get? That's all you get? Oh, man. My gut instinct wants to say Peter Murphy's solo. Boy, so yeah, because Peter Murphy's solo album came out, I think, right, right around 1989. I'm going to say a name and a title that I'm pretty sure are wrong. Uh, Peter Maybe Murphy. change your choice then. <laughs> <laughs> if you know it's if wrong, I had, if I had another one, pick something if I, else. If yeah. I had another uh, uh, choice, uh, I, I would I would make it at this point. But I'm trying to think of all of the bands from 1989 that I can think of who fit the goth rock, goth and synth rock thing. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to get this one. So I'm going to say, uh, unfortunately, I'm going to have to, to fall on my sword. And since I have to give an answer, I'll say uh, Peter Murphy cuts you up. That is incorrect. Kevin, here's your chance to pick up an extra point. Dude, this is one of the greatest breakup albums of all time. It's Pictures of You by The Cure. Let's see if he's right. There was nothing in the world that I ever wanted more. 
So that is correct. Kevin, you get a point for that. Stefan, you got something to say? Or- if you hear a crackling sound, it is the sound of me actively burning my Gen X card. I, I don't think <laughs> I deserve it anymore. I, I cannot believe I missed that. Well for done, me, dude. For, for me, like, because I was a metalhead and hanging out with those metal dudes, like to listen to the Cure, I'd have to go home and secretly listen to that. <laughs> and when I went to when I went to a Cure show, like that was the prayer tour, Dodger Stadium. Like I had to go with a whole separate set of friends. I took the <laughs> long way there so no one would see me. It was it was a whole thing, and it was worth every second. Oh yeah, the Cure was my first concert I ever went to. Nineteen eighty, sorry, nineteen ninety two Rose Bowl, and I sat. I don't know. We were like 10 rows back from the center. It was my first concert experience ever in my life because I was stupid and never went to shows when I was younger. And I thought, oh, are all concerts are going to be just like this, right? <laughs> 10 rows back, center of the cure at the Rose Bowl. You set the bar high. Yeah, yeah. set the bar high. I've never been able to duplicate that experience. According to interviews, the inspiration for the song came when a fire broke loose in Robert Smith's home. After that day, Smith was going through the remains and came across his wallet, which had pictures of his wife, Mary. The cover of the single for the song is one of the pictures. Congratulations for winning round two, Stefan. For winning round two, we will banish your opponent to the Phantom Zone, and you and I will take a secret trip to the prize vault, where you're going to be selecting the prize that the two of you will be playing for in the final round. But before we do that, let's hear a quick word from our sponsor. G.I. Joe will return after these messages. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. If you're enjoying the show so far, please consider giving us a positive review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from, and subscribing for future episodes. The only way a show like this gets anywhere in the podcasting universe is by positive reviews and word of mouth amongst friends. So if you're inclined, please help spread the word about the podcast and share it with that special Gen Xer in your life. We'd love to have you as a friend of the show. Thanks so much. Now back to the program. Before we start round three, now is the last chance to solve the power struggle question, to steal the power and go first in round three. Stefan, you do not have the power, so you get an opportunity, if you'd like, to solve the power struggle and get the power right before we start round three. Let's listen to it one last time, and then you need to give me your answer, okay? Prepare to qualify. Catch. Get ready for a surprise. Okay, Stefan, what do you got? I'm not sure about this at all. Number one, 
I want to say is the newlywed game. I don't think that's right. Number two, I, I think might be up in smoke. The only two that I'm absolutely sure on, I think, he said with great hubris, uh, pole position being number three and out of touch by Hall and & Oates. And the fifth, uh, I, I have no idea. Die Hard, I have no clue. Anymore. I'm sorry, Stefan. You got some of them correct, but not all five. So that means we turn this over to the listeners to see if they can get it correct and claim the prize package. The prize package this episode includes a handsome certificate with your name on it, signifying that you are doing your part to save Generation X from fading into oblivion, as well as your name going up on our Gen X yearbook and our brand new website. Next is probably the best item in the prize package. We'll send you a generous handful of these vintage smelling scratch and sniff stickers, and it will bring you back to when you got a 69 out of 100 on your math test back in fourth grade. All of your favorites are here, just waiting for you to scratch them and sniff them. To enter for a chance to claim that generous prize package, you can join our newsletter, and there will be a place for you to send your answers. Details on how to join the newsletter can be found in the show notes for this episode or by visiting our website at whowillsavegenx.com. Good luck. Kevin, we're going to put you in the Phantom Zone. Steph, if you see another Get Smart shoe phone, get it, and we can call each other. Absolutely. Yeah, it'll be on the download. Awesome. While Stefan and I take a trip to the prize vault and pick the prize. All right, we've picked the prize that we needed. Round three. Round three is a prize round called Dysfunctional Family Feud. In this round, I will ask the same five survey questions, Family Feud style, to each player in turn, and they will need to respond with what they think are the most popular responses from the Generation X timeline, the 70s, 80s, and early 90s. These are actual survey questions taken from actual people from Generation X that have been quizzed by the show via Facebook and our newsletter. The player who has the power gets to go first with player two unable to hear their responses. Player two will then have to give responses to the same five questions and beat the other player's score without duplicating any of their answers. Just like Family Feud. Whoever ends up with the most points wins the game and goes on to claim the chance of the prize that Stefan has chosen in secret. If you'd like to take part in Dysfunctional Family Feud surveys, sign up for our newsletter today, and it will include a spot for you to reply to upcoming surveys and get your answers on the show. Let's play Dysfunctional Family Feud. Just you and me, Kevin. Your time will begin after I finish reading the first question. Typically, things were very large in the 80s. Name something that was big back then, but is very small now. Telephones. Who is your favorite villain from an 80s cartoon? Skeletor. Name a play or musical that ran for a long time on Broadway during Generation X. Greece. Name a band that was never quite the same after one member went solo. Van Halen. And finally, name the best Steven Spielberg movie. Jaws. Let's bring Stefan back in from the Phantom Zone. Scary in there, huh? Oh, yeah. No, it was, it was like being the cone of silence. The cone of silence. Well, this is a magenta alert, isn't it? Okay, Stefan, I'm going to ask you the same five survey questions I asked Kevin. You may not duplicate any of his answers. If you do, you'll hear this sound. Okay. And I'll ask okay. for another answer. It's a little bit more difficult. So you get two passes. Make sure mm -hmm. you use your passes. Kevin gave us a lot of great answers, but I think there's enough points left behind that you can still win. No pressure. Mm. Your time will begin after I finish reading. The first question. Typically, things were very large in the 80s. Name something that was big back then, but is very small now. Uh, cell phones. Try again. Uh, G.I. Joe's. 
different. I don't think those Big Joes were in the 80s, though. No, they were. Yeah, they were in the 1970s. And knowing is half the battle. Who is your favorite villain from an 80s cartoon? Gargamel. Name a player musical that ran for a long time on Broadway during Generation X. Cats. Name a band that was never quite the same after one member went solo. Uh, uh, Van Halen. Try again. <laughs> Kev. <laughs> oh. Um, uh, um, you have uh, two passes. Okay, pass. Name the best Steven Spielberg movie. E.T. Let's go back to the one you passed on. Name a band that was never quite the same after one member went solo. The, uh, the, the Clash. Okay, we ready to go to the scores? Yes, sir. I asked you. Typically, things were very large in the 80s. Name something that was big back then, but is very small now. Stefan, you gave us G.I. Joe, which did not make the survey. Sorry. The big G.I. Joe dolls weren't uh, in the 80s. They turned from dolls to action figures, my friend. So, Kevin, you gave us phone, which scored you 18 points. So after one question, it's 18 to zero. The number one answer was hair. Hair was bigger in the 80s. Yeah, yeah, of course. Particularly in the East Coast. Great answer. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we get information for these surveys from our listeners via our newsletter, and sometimes we get interesting replies. So I'd like to give some honorable mentions to some of these entertaining answers. Honorable mention goes to the one vote for optimism for the future. It's something that was bigger back in the 80s. Jean jackets with metal band patches on them, much bigger in the 80s. And the one Gen Xer who simply said, your mom. Nice. Question two was, who was your favorite villain from an 80s cartoon? Stefan, you gave us Gargamel. Which was the number two answer worth 25 points? <laughs> Kevin, you gave us Skeletor, which was the number one answer worth 30 points. <laughs> Honorable mention goes to the one person who said Witchy Poo. If you guys remember Witchy Poo from of course. HR Puff and stuff. HR Puff and stuff. There was two people who didn't know what the word cartoon means and said Sleestacks was their favorite cartoon villains. Both of them were live action. And the answer that triggered a bunch of people last year, the cartoon cat assaulting Pepe Le Pew was as a villain. No means no, Pepe, even if it's a cartoon cat. Boundaries. The leaps of Pepe are upon you. So 48 for Kevin and 25 for Stefan. Going into question number three. Name a play or musical that ran for a long time on Broadway during Generation X. Stefan, you gave us the number one answer with cats. Worth an incredible 50 points. Wow. It was the overwhelming response. I almost went there too. But you did go with Grease, Kevin, which gives you 10 points. So well done there. So the score after three is 75 for Stefan and 58 for Kevin. Shout out to the one person who said the SNL skit reference to The Amazing Alexander, if you remember that skit. I remember seeing him on Broadway back in 1986. I loved loved it. It It was much much better better than than Cats. Cats. I'm going to see it again (laughs) and again. (laughs) The four people listening who got that joke, I think is one. I'm one of them. I I totally get that joke. I remember it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Word. So question four was name a band that never was quite the same after one of the band members left and went solo. Stefan, you said The Clash, which did not make the survey. I'm sorry. No points on that one. Kevin, you gave us Van Halen, which was the number one answer worth 32 points, bringing you up to 90. So scores 90 to 75 going into the last question. Honorable mentions go to the one person who voted for it, Jim and the Holograms, the Osmonds, and of course, who should have been number one, which is Menudo. 
Menudo was <laughs> quite the same. Yes. Good old Ricky Martin left. So it all comes down to our final question, which was name the best Steven Spielberg movie. Kevin, you gave us Jaws, which was worth 12 points, bringing you to a grand total of 102 points. Stefan, you are 27 points back to tie. And if you do tie, Kevin has a tiebreaker. You need 28 points to win. You gave us E.T., which was the number two answer. But was it enough? Let's see what Gen X said. Survey said. It was worth 28 points. Which means by the narrowest of margins ever, one point victory. Congratulations, Stefan. You've oh won the game. Goodness. I did not see that coming at all. Wow. That was good job. Uh, that was, good job. Well, th- thank you, brother. That was like we I, I did not expect it to be such a, a a tight a tight battle all the way through. Yeah, that was awesome. Unfortunately, Kevin, that means you've lost in this episode. You lose. I'm sorry things didn't go quite your way on the show, but did you have a good time anyway? Yeah, I had a blast. This is great. I could spend time with Steph, make new friends. It's all good. Yeah, I had a, I had a good time. I seriously considered throwing the game in your favor, thinking that if I made friends with someone who's also friends with Robert Smith, by some weird way, maybe I could sneak in there and meet him someday. I don't think Robert oh, you Smith blew, you trumps- blew that one. Well, since Stefan won, I guess the best I could hope for is to make friends with Eden McClurg from Fairly Spielers Day Off then. I wanted right. to make- well, well, you can't because I'm afraid Eden McClurg is no longer with us. They can't. So that's, <laughs> so that's a horrible joke I just made, and we should edit that out right away. Anyways, so congratulations. Let's go to the prize vault and pick a prize. They think he's a dickhead. For winning the game, I offer a chance of a prize by me placing bids on my eBay watch list on the winner's behalf. I will place multiple bids on the listing chosen in secret by Stefan until I am the high bidder. If that bid holds up until the end of the auction, then I will buy that item for the winner and have it shipped out to you. Good luck. Let's take a look at all the prizes that Stefan had to choose from, and then we'll reveal what was chosen. Kev, you'll know right away what I picked. First item in the prize vault is... This item loosely resembles a members-only jacket, but has a mixture of a Cobra logo and a Decepticon logo over the heart, where it should be, frankly. This windbreaker looks like it's ripped right out of my 80s G.I. Joe dreams. It's legit. Next we have, who can forget Jim and Tammy Faye Baker and how they were hypocritically central in all sorts of misdeeds during Generation X. Well, this greeting card that features their likeness reads simply, happy birthday on the outside. And on the inside, it reads, don't do anything we wouldn't do. Next is a dancing gopher stuffed animal from the movie Caddyshack. It plays music from the movie and dances and lights up just like in the movie. And finally, we like to have at least one really weird item in the prize vault, and it doesn't get much weirder than this. This is a vintage Saddam Hussein humor novelty Shiite toilet paper roll. On the roll, it reads, put his face in a very dark place and has a picture of Saddam. It's very silly. So, Stefan, why don't you tell us what you chose and we'll place a bid on it. I chose the gopher from Caddyshack. I have always loved that little dancing gopher. So, yeah, let's bid. Let's bid this sucker up. Place a bid. No bids on it yet. Hey, what do you know? We're the high bidder at 99 cents and almost $14 for shipping. So (laughs) that's how they get you. I'm kind of down with that toilet paper. (laughs) That does seem like a you gift, Kev. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. So congratulations, Stefan. Stefanino. Stefan. On your uh, victory and your bid. If this bid holds up to the end of the auction, then I'll buy it for you. Good luck, my friend. Thank you. Yeah, great job, Steph. Kev, great job, you man. Seriously, like, I didn't think I was going to pull it out there. I had the you you uh, you brought the A team and you're a game. How about that? All right, A team. The A team. 
Hey guys, tell the listeners a little bit more about your projects and where they can find you. Well, first and foremost, Dave, I just want to say thank you. You're awesome, my friend. Uh, this was a blast. Had a great time doing it. Um, I always give a shout out to my wife, uh, Lori. Thank you so much for finding me on the Muni train in San Francisco. Uh, I recently completed a 30-day songwriting challenge where I wrote an original song every day for 30 days, and I put a video to it. Um, it's uh, Almost all of them are related to being Gen X or middle-aged, and you can check that out on Instagram at Stephen Cox. Uh, S-T-E-P-H-A-N-C-O-X. I'll send, I'll send you guys the link. That's me. So listeners, I can attest to the insane talents of my guest here. These songs are amazing. So I meant to ask you about this. Did you make a video and write a song every day for 30 days? I did do that. I that actually did that. is insane to me. <laughs> it was insane to me too, man. I, I honestly, by the end of it, I, 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 I collapsed. I collapsed into a heap. It was a lot of work. These songs and even the video quality is like something that would take me a month to do. I mean, I can't write any music, but just do the video alone would take forever. I highly recommend you check them out. They're very entertaining and right up everyone's alley if you're listening to this podcast. Gen X centric. Thanks, man. And Kevin, thank you as well for being on the show. You got any last comments or anything you want to shout out or plug or? Yeah, thanks to you guys for for bringing me in, Steph for recommending me, and Zabe for uh, tolerating me. I want to thank my wife and kids for letting me play for two or three hours here and not help with whatever they're doing on the other side of the house. <laughs> you can check out my music photography at Kevin Estrada Photography. You can see some of my film and television stills at Kevin Estrada Stills. I just co-produced a 2LP hardcover book box set of 80s metal from LA through the Numero group called Bound for Hell on the Sunset Strip. It's got classic bands like Odin, Armored Saint, Witch, Steeler. It's fantastic. Has a bunch of photos that I photographed when I was like 14, 15 in the book. Wow. Um, so that's out in record stores right now. It just came out last week. And that's about it. Come to my website, see my new Judas Priest photos, Iron Maiden, Scorpions, all the stuff I just shot recently, as well as my archives from the uh, 80s, 90s, and 2000s. So Generation X also is known as the slacker generation. I don't think that label applies even a little bit to either of my guests. <laughs> you guys have been busy with your lives and your projects. So I, I look forward to checking them all out. You can find links and details in the show notes to this episode for all the ways to check out these projects for my guests. Thanks, guys. The judges and I would like to give a shout out to a new supporter of the podcast who joined us on Patreon at the Family Feud tier. A special thanks goes to Darren Gray. Thanks for your support, Darren. You are doing your part to save Generation X. This next sound clip is just for you. It was the dopes. It was the dopes. You're a dead man, Valentine. Thank you so much for checking out the show. We know you have a vast ocean of choices for your podcasting enjoyment, and it is simply amazing that you chose to spend a little time on our show. Thank you. If you like what we're doing here and you'd like to contribute directly to the show, we have a Patreon account set up at patreon.com slash who will save Gen X. At our Patreon site, you'll see special offers for becoming a contributor to the show, so take advantage of those if you are interested. If you'd like, you can head over to whowillsavegenx.com to learn all about the ways you can do your part to save Gen X from being forgotten. But if you're feeling like a slacker at the moment, you can just email me, and I promise to write you back with all the details you want. You can reach me or any of the judges at whowillsavegenx at gmail.com. In either case, thanks so much for listening. Well, that's it for this episode. Thanks again for checking out the show. We welcome you to subscribe to the show for future episodes where we will once again ask the question, who will save 
Generation X. Later! At last, there's something to shout about on Broadway. I loved it. It, it was, was much better than Cats. I'm going to see it again and again. A spectacular evening of theatrical thrills. I loved it. It was much better than Cats. I'm going to see it again and again. The amazing Alexander, the world's greatest hypnotist, brings his phenomenal one-man show to the Lunkfontein Theater. The most mesmerizing show in Broadway history. But don't take our word for it. Listen. I loved it. It was much better than Cats. I'm going to see it again and again. The critics agree. Frank Rich of the Times says, I loved it. Much better than Cats. I'm going to see it again and again. For a Broadway experience you'll never remember, don't miss the amazing Alexander. Call Telecharge It now. Call Telecharge It now. You will call Telecharge It. You will call them now. You will pick up the phone and call them now. Pick up the phone. You will pick when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.